Hey there. Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel, and in this episode we are going to talk about unarmed combat in RPGs. Well, specifically in Dungeons and & Dragons and the uh, games like it, or the games that came from it. So this conversation is kind of uh, one I've been having on some level, I guess, with uh, Rob from Down in a Heap. Essentially, I had called in to the show and mentioned that I was the only person in the world, I believed, that likes the combat system from the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide. Now, I'll start off by saying that I don't deny many of the claims that he made in his <laughs> podcast speaking about it, that it's clumsy um, or, you know, very, very complex, I guess. Although I don't know that's true either. Um, I would say, though, uh, to go with a, a term that's been bouncing around where conversation with Jason over there is uh, I would call this crunchy. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that we really liked this system when we were kids. And when I you know, became an adult and got back into playing, I picked it up and I still liked it. Um, I was a bit of a math nerd, I guess, when I was younger. And maybe that still sticks with me. So I kind of enjoy all the little calculations. And more importantly, and I think this is relevant really here, and I just made a, a video about this on my, uh, on my YouTube, so I'll put a link to that as well. But uh, that was, you know, in, in connection to something else, but it has the same idea, is I actually really enjoy mini games. You know, I like a simple RPG system. Like I want, generally speaking, for my system to be simple, but I don't want it to be the same. I'm not a big fan of core mechanic. In fact, I talked about that, I think, in one of my first podcasts here, which is one of the reasons why I'm enjoying messing with the chainmail system for combat. I just, I like to break up the monotony, so to speak, and I don't mind when something special is happening to stop and just bust out a set of rules. I don't mind. That doesn't mean I do it every single time. I mean, there's been plenty of games where I have run and nobody touched a book or even really their character sheet at all because it was simple enough to just figure everything out as we went. Um, you know, they want to do something. I give them an idea of what it will be a role for. They roll for it. Done. So there's lots of different ways to enjoy these games. And I think that a system like this just shows you like how a complex system can be used to create kind of like a secondary or mini game. And I will say that whenever we use this as kids, and I've used it once or twice as an adult, it's been a special thing. I think one of the problems or thoughts that Rob had was that uh, he was afraid that if you look at it and it's better than hitting somebody with your sword, then why wouldn't you just always do that? So I'm going to address that a little bit. Okay, so I'm busting my book out here. It's uh, like a bookmarked. <laughs> It's on page uh, 72 of the DMG, if you want to read along. All right, so let's look at pummeling first, because I think that's probably the one that seems like it would be the most often used, and the one that probably is the easiest for me to defend. <laughs> um, I did a quick reference of things, and if you are fighting somebody in armor, like in any substantial amount of armor, and you're a fighter, you pretty much have a slightly better chance to hit and do damage with your weapon. On top of that, you have a 
on average, better chance of doing more damage with your weapon, you know, if you're using like a long sword. So if we take our, our classic fighter in plate mail, so armor class two, plate mail and shield, I should say, with a long sword, you are going to, uh, you know, if you're trying to hit that person, your base chance of hitting them is, is only 20% because they, their armor class is two. Not only that, um, once you hit them, you can, if you take a look at it, because they're wearing certain armors and stuff, you're going to be subtracting from your rolls certain percentages. And the only way to get the maximum damage, the 10, 10 damage, basically, which is the damage of a longsword, is to roll 100, 0, 0 on a percentile die. So the chance of actually doing massive damage that you could do with a weapon against somebody in armor is pretty small. So it wouldn't replace a weapon combat in most cases for most people. Now, where it becomes interesting, I think, is a couple of places. Number one is when people aren't wearing armor. If you look at, like, the, let's say a fighter, put this chart here. Let's say where I was looking at a third level fighter. I figured that was a good middle ground. So a third level fighter hitting a armor class 10, which would be an unarmored opponent, needs an eight or better, right? So that's a... Well, it's like 60-some-odd percent, right? Well, the base chance would be 100% in the in the pummeling, right? So now, it is better to hit them than it is to use a sword. And maybe that is a little bit weird. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a very interesting system. And I think that the idea that these complex systems can can teach us something about how the game can work and the mechanics of it. And I do think that it kind of balances out. It's actually very well balanced when you look at it. There are some kind of loopholes, uh, like that, for instance, if somebody's armor class 10 or whatever, you have a, a much better chance of punching them in the face than you do stabbing them with your sword. I mean, who knows? Is that true? Probably not, right? Um, I mean, in life. <laughs> They'd probably run if you had a sword. Um, <laughs> I know I'd run if you had a sword. Uh, but my point being is that it's not perfect. But I also, it's not so much better or so overpowered that it would automatically put you in a position where you wouldn't want to use a weapon. That being said, um, the idea that you can knock people out with this is one of the reasons why I like it. So, oh, actually, before I go there, I just want to talk about another quick couple things. Number one, if you have a weapon and somebody comes at you within this combat system with unarmed combat you automatically get to go first. And if you score uh, the right amount to make a hit, then they can't act, basically. You can simply block them, and then you get another attack. So it doesn't actually hit them if you hit them the first time. It just stops them from attacking you. So you, you're holding them back, right? And then you can attack them again, so you don't lose your attack to do that. Um, if you are doing that, right, now, that, again that gives an advantage to the person with the weapon. So it's not like you don't have an advantage. But there are a couple loopholes in places uh, where it works out to your advantage to use the system. Like I said, one of them is fighting people with no armor. So it's that classic thing where you have that powerful wizard, right? But you could punch them in the face and knock them out. And that's kind of a very Conan thing to me. So I really enjoy that being a possibility. Um, the other place where you can kind of cheese the system a little bit is when you get into grappling. So if you are going to grapple or overbear, things are a bit reversed. Now your chance to hit becomes 
your armor class. So if you are un, unarmored, so an armor class of 10, right, then you actually have a much better chance of hitting somebody. So when you have that guy in plate mail and you're not armored and you want to grapple them, and, and again, it kind of makes sense, right? If somebody's very encumbered, it's going to be easier to knock them to the ground or to wrestle. They're not going to have a hard time wrestling you when they're in plate mail. I mean, they do have a bit of a weight advantage, maybe, but I, I would I would say that somebody not wearing plate mail has a better position in a wrestling match than somebody who is. Same with overbearing, right? So you could use that to your advantage. You're a bunch of first level, you know, magic users. Somehow you ended up in this dungeon and all of a sudden you see this, you know, this heavily armored knight. And it's like, hey, we can jump him, right? So, but again, they would get their attack against you first and they might kill you when you're charging there to do that. So they do have that advantage. It's not like uh, you could just automatically grapple them. Okay, I think the other thing that um, Rob brought up, I can't remember everything he brought up, uh, was the idea that what, what does a monk do? Well, it clearly says, says here that a monk can either use this table or they can use their own. So I guess they'd use whatever's better for them. And I guess they would base it on the different armor classes, right? If somebody came at them in plate mail and they were a low level, they'd probably be better off using the pummeling table here. If somebody came at them on, you know, uh, with no armor, they'd have a better chance at using the, uh, nope, the opposite. Somebody came at them in plate mail, they might have a better chance um, using their normal to hit charts. If somebody came at them un unarmored, then they'd probably have a better chance here. And again, that becomes system mastery and just people figuring out what works better for them. Uh, as I mentioned in my, my message to, to Rob, I, you know, I always would say to players, hey, you know, read the system. And if you want to uh, want to use it, you know, go for it. But just make sure you understand it, because when it comes down into it, you know, if you if you decide the wrong thing, uh, you know, it's not always better, I guess is my point. But I, I do get that. I do get the idea, though, that uh, hit points are supposed to be abstracted. Why is, you know, combat is abstracted. You're not saying, oh, I swing my sword high, I swing my sword low. You know, why are we doing all these special moves? I think it just has to do with what was going on at the time. People were adding more and more to the game. There's a lot of things in, in AD&D, like psionics, which I also like, um, you know, weapon versus armor, all this stuff that people just wanted that extra bit. Uh, you didn't need to use it and you don't need to use it. You know, it's easy enough just to, to say a, a punch does one to two points damage. But then I would say, if you're in a situation and you want to not kill enemies and your choices are, well, I can punch them and do one to two points and I have to bring them to zero hit points, then they're unconscious. Or I can stab them with my sword and do a d10. Most people are not going to use the one to two damage because they don't want to be putting, they don't want to be in danger any longer than they have to be. So, in a sense, the unarmed, even though maybe it's not realistic that it's the same level of of uh, damage, it makes it so that people will use it. Kind of this going really off on a tangent, but one of the things that my friend made a system and he made crafting, and the the times that he added for crafting were ridiculously slow. It was like you could make a suit of armor in like a day. And I'm like, that just seems crazy unrealistic. But he was like, if you if you actually made people spend six months to make a suit of armor, nobody would do it. So I guess that might not be the best argument in the world, but that's the one I'm going to use here. But I did decide to take a quick look at um, second edition because I remembered uh, when I first got back into playing and I was looking up second, second, second edition stuff because I was running some adventures, I remembered it being bashed all over the place as their combat system didn't make any sense. And actually, I kind of like the way they did this. If you want a simpler system, it's actually pretty good. 
essentially that what was what was being made fun of and people were saying didn't make any sense and was stupid was that it didn't they were like well, how come the lowest number and the highest number both do the most damage well the reason for that is unarmed combat in second edition you roll a two hit roll and assuming that you hit then you reference the chart so basically if you if you roll a one uh you know to hit somebody and it hits them because you're so high level, then hell yeah, it should be the most dangerous thing because you must be so powerful, right? So this is on page 97 of the player's handbook. Um, essentially, there's an attack roll, uh, less than one, one, all the way up to 20 plus. And what you do is you roll to hit. Let's say you rolled a to hit somebody and you rolled a 15. You would just look at the 15 here and you go, uh, you know, assuming it hits, oh, 15 is a jab. It does two damage. There's a 6% chance of knocking them out, or if you're wrestling them, you would do an arm lock. So it's a much simpler system. It's it's streamlined. It's faster. So if you want a little bit more detail in your hand-to-hand -hand and you want to do those bar fights, but you don't want the AD&D <laughs> the system, uh, I think this is a pretty decent system. Now, all that being said, and, and Rob also mentioned this, uh, the Swords and Wizardry system, which comes from Strategic Review number two, I believe. So that came out when... OD&D was still around. I think it came out right around when Greyhawk, because uh, it's mentioned in this in there. I, I looked it up. And what I'll say to that is I like that system a lot. So, yes, I, I, I admit that I like the Dungeon Master's Guide First Edition. I like that over-the-top, crunchy, hand-to-hand -hand combat because I think it's fun. It's like a mini game. But I also, just for speed and... and uh, I also find that this system from the strategic review is just very simple and works. And it does most of what I think we want. Uh, it takes into account level. It does not take into account, well, sorry, it takes into account level. It takes into account armor because uh, you have to roll it to hit. And it also takes into account the idea of, it doesn't, of like multiple people. You know, it allows for like, tackling by a bunch of people, which is kind of, I think, ultimately what you are going to be very likely to do if you're trying to, if you read like fantasy stories, whenever the hero gets captured, it's because, you know, seven guys jump out of trees with nets. It's not one guy that punches them out, you know, usually. So I, I like that, that it works. So I actually took that system and modified it slightly. Now, I took away one of the things that I think probably uh, that Rob would probably want because, uh, again, he, he I removed that the fact you have to hit. And I did that to speed it up. I didn't think that it mattered as much. And that does end up giving you an advantage because if somebody's heavily armored, they don't have that advantage. However, since this is an abstracted system that involves pummeling and grappling and everything else, I thought, well, if you look at the DMG and you kind of cross-reference it, if you are uh, looking at the pummeling, right, then you have a much better chance of hitting somebody who's unarmored. And if you look at the grappling, you have a much better chance of hitting somebody who is armored. So I thought, scrap those two and let's just roll D6s. And I'm going to actually read my document uh, next or after this. Uh, but I just want I'll summarize right now. So if you don't want to listen to me read for how long that's going to take. I'm just going to interrupt myself here to say that I don't actually read through my combat system in this episode. In the end, it was getting really long, so I decided not to do that. So... This one will just continue with me discussing unarmed combat 
in general. And then next episode, which would come out in probably a couple of days, I will read through my unarmed combat. Essentially, when people clash in an unarmed way, they roll a d6 for each of their levels. You compare that. And whatever the difference is, the losing side takes in subdual damage. This way, and again, I if you read this uh, strategic review, I like the whole stunned thing on a piece of paper when you're reading it quickly. But to be honest, it's pretty punishing. Because if you do it the way they do it, where you're stunned if you, uh, if you lose, then... Again, I don't think a player would ever use it. Why would you use it when you literally risk dying if you fail one attempt to attack? I just feel, feel like that's really punishing, too punishing. So for me, I went with no attack roll and subdual damage until they reach zero. Now, you'll see when I read the whole thing through, I added extra rules for stunning and stuff like that because I just thought it'd be fun to have extra rules. But in the most basic system... That's how I run it. And generally speaking, I don't pull the document out very often unless I'm in a campaign and I shared it with the group and they know it. But if I'm running a game and somebody wants to grapple or pummel or wrestle and there's no rule in that system that I know of right off the top of my head, that's generally how I do it. Roll six-sided dice equal to your level. Compare it to the other side. The one with the highest dice wins. I think it's a really simple way to do it. I think it works really well. And I think that unarmed combat should be a big part of certain types of campaigns. City-based campaigns, especially campaigns where you want to have that more sword and sorcery uh, type feel. Because in those types of stories, people are often without weapons and people are often getting knocked out. That's kind of part of those stories. They're not just running around with swords, stabbing goblins and dying or not dying. There's... There's that middle ground, that in-between. And I think we can really get that by using some kind of unarmed combat system. Whether it is the very crunchy, and fun for me, but maybe not most people in the world, uh, first edition system. The second edition, which is pretty simple. Single roll tells you what happens. Or the strategic review, which I think leaves you open for a lot of interpretation and can also be a really, really fun way to do it. Okay. So I'm just going to look at some numbers. I'm curious because I only briefly looked at it, but let's actually do a little quick number crunching. This is far from scientific, but let's take a look. Let's say two fighters that are third level are going to fight. One of them has a long sword. The other one has no weapon at all. Their fists, right? Their plate and shield, we'll say. So they're armor class two. So the pummeler, the guy that wants to pummel, he's got a base 20% chance of hitting. Let's say they just uh, he has an average dexterity of 10. We're going to make that just so it's even for both of them. So he gets 10 more points there. So that gives him 30% chance of hitting. The fighter that's third level with the longsword hitting armor class 2 needs a 14 or better, which would be uh, seven, so seven, about 35% chance. So the guy with the longsword has a better chance of hitting. He also goes first. So if the pummeler as it would be, um, if the I should say, if the guy with the sword uh, hits right on his first uh, attempt, then the pummeler loses their turn, essentially, and then he can swing again. So let's just say the pummeler hits. So if the pummeler hits and his strength is, let's say, okay, per point over 12, let's say he's a fighter, so we're going to say he's got a 15 strength. So he's got 3% added to his attack, 
He's got a mailed fist, so that's 5%, so that's 8%. Um, but the attacker, the defender, is in plate or split mail, that's minus 40%. So that's now uh, minus 32 He's also wearing a helmet. I'm sure he's in plate mail. And if he was wearing a Pfizer helmet, we'll even give him the worst helmet, which is another minus five. So he's going to roll on this D100 table at minus uh, 37. So even if he rolls 100, then what would end up happening is he would end up with a 63, which is solid punch off, off balance. Series ends. Determination of next strike must be made. Okay, so that's basically the only hit. It does six points of damage. So that's if he rolls 100. He literally needs to roll 100 to get that. If he rolls, let's say, in the middle, if he rolls, uh, I'm trying to drop him down there. And actually, that's pretty low. So if he rolls basically anything in like the 80s or lower, he's going to do four points of damage. So he's got about a 20% chance of doing about four points of damage, which again, I think is average damage for a longsword. And he's got... Uh, a 1% chance of doing six points, right? And he's got, let's see, he's, he's got like another like 40% chance of doing two points. And then even if he hit, he's got about a 20% chance of doing no damage. Guy with the sword, on the other hand, has a 35% chance of hitting. And once he does, if you take average damage from a longsword, about four points, he's basically, once he's hit, he's done that damage, more or less. So two dudes in plate mail, yeah, you're way better off having uh, a sword. I mean, there's no question there. Now, bar fight, right? This is where it might be interesting. Two people, let's say no armor, no dexterity bonus, just keep it simple, armor class 10, a fight, two fighters, and a bar fight. One's got a, let's say they have daggers. Should you use the dagger? Well, again, if we look at the two hit for armor class 10, eight or better, so that's, uh, that looks like it's like 50, 50, 65% chance of hitting. So you got 65% chance of hitting with the dagger and that will do a D4 damage. However, if you attack him on the, the base uh, score to hit thing, you got a 100% chance if the armor class is 10, right? And then you get a bonus for the dexterity. Um, and you also have a bonus for your armor class. So you're basically hitting, you know? Now, when it comes to the damage, again, we'll say that they're, they got 15 strength because they're fighters. Now you've got a uh, plus one for, so plus three, basically. And you're using a metal pommel, right? Because he's going to use the pommel of his dagger. So that's 10%. So that's 13%. Um, and the defender is wearing no armor, so nothing there, and no shield. So now you're rolling on the D100 table, and you've got a, you know, plus 13%. Now you've got a, a better than average chance of knocking this guy on his butt, right? Where he probably isn't going to kill you. So in that case, you're better off using this table. So again, it's not universally better. It's just better in some cases. And I think that's really the interesting point. And I guess I'll add to this because I've been saying fighters, but the thing about this is that, and this is again why I like it, this is the same case for a magic user. You know, I mean, you probably wouldn't have the 3% uh, 
bonus with the strength, but if that magic, magic user has a dagger with a pummel, he's got that plus 10%, you know? So he's got a pretty good chance of whacking somebody across the head and doing way more damage than he would ever do with the dagger. I mean, granted, it is subdual damage, but it's still good. Oh, there's one thing I forgot to mention here, which is super important uh, to kind of tie into the argument, if you will. So there's part of this that a lot of people forget about, and see, I even forgot about it, <laughs> which is when you are determining uh, before the fight starts, right? I'll read it. Okay. Variable application to all pummeling, grappling, and overbearing attacks. The attacker makes a number of a m number of the column he or she is normally uses for weapon attacks, one being for the lower levels, two being for the next group of levels, and so on. To this number, he adds the score of a secretly rolled d6. The defender does the same, but a d4. So what this means is, if you are, if you're a third level fighter, you're on the third column at, the, at in this point. And again, this is another advantage to fighters because they have that zero column there, which means that their first level fighter is always going to have the, be on the, the second column. But he's got three plus a d6 that he can add to the roll. So fighters get a little bit of a bonus, and it does actually benefit you to have um, levels. Your levels are going to help you. It's going to add to your to your ability. I actually think I would tweak this, to be honest, um, because it just it's an addition. I feel like it should be a multiplication, to be honest with you, because that way it would really make a difference with your level. But you know that's just a thing that people often forget is that your level does matter, your armor does matter. And on some level, your ability scores matter. What doesn't matter is your class so much. Okay, so I, I did some quick kind of observations. And I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a whole podcast where I actually read through this and I do some combats because it's, it's kind of fun. But um, so as huge generalizations here, uh, this is the first edition system. If you are attacking somebody who is not wearing armor or has a very uh, high, because remember high is, is bad in AD&D, armor class, you are you are pretty well off to pummel them. Um, not only do you have a better chance of hitting them, but you also have less subtractions to your damage roll when you go to roll the damage. For instance, if somebody's wearing plate mail, not only do you only have, you know, whatever, 20, 30% chance of hitting them, you also uh, subtract a bunch from the the roll of the damage. So you can never really do that much damage when they're in plate, which makes sense. I mean, you're whacking them with a the pummel, right? On the other hand, when you're grappling somebody, you have a universally better chance of, of tackling and grappling them if you're not wearing armor, right? And they actually, uh, it actually works to your advantage if they are wearing armor. And on top of that, or I should say to counter that though, if they have armor and shield that's decent, it subtracts from your kind of grappling chart. So you're more likely to get them, but you're less likely to do like the main real damage against them. So that's kind of the difference there. So so it's true that like if you, it's easier to tackle somebody or jump on somebody who's in plate mail and try to grapple or hold them, but you're never going to do those high damage things like the the stranglehold or whatever. You can only do like the probably the, the middle, middle of the range stuff is going to be much more likely. Now, overbearing is kind of interesting because universally it's better to not be wearing any armor. And it's also, uh, they, they don't have those advantages, I guess, because they're not fighting you off with the, the same way. So they don't have those advantages to the uh, to having plate and shield or whatever. So if you see a knight walking down the street with plate and shield <laughs> and you're, you know, a lowly thief, 
you're much better off jumping from a tree and trying to tackle them to the ground and overbear them than you are trying to pummel them to knock them unconscious. So there you go. I mean, actually, to be honest, I don't think that that is unrealistic, although I don't know because I've never accosted somebody like that. However, it does definitely fit in, at least in my mind, with the fiction, right? The, the, the hiding in a tree and jumping and knocking somebody unconscious or whatever with the overbear or the, the, the fist fights, you know, going on. You know, you're wearing plate mail and somebody punches you and they, they look at their hand and it hurts, you know. <laughs> so I think that, that it, I mean, it's not realistic by any means, I know, but and I know that it is a bit crunchy, but I think it can be super fun. And, and I think that the idea of finding a system that could work for you so you can allow this hand-to-hand combat to be part of your game, I think is is would be a really good thing. I think in short, what I'm saying here is that I believe that unarmed combat and hand-to-hand combat and knocking people unconscious and waylaying them by jumping out of a tree should be part of more games. <laughs> it's something that I like. I love it in the fiction. And I think it's very cool. Is the first edition system the best thing in the world for it? Maybe not. It might be more complicated than people want to deal with. But finding a system that works for your table, I think, could be really beneficial. And since I'm primarily uh, focused on chainmail here with OD&D, you know, using the strategic review works the best for me.